to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. I'm excited about today's show. Very important stuff that we're going to be covering for everyone. I don't care where you live or what stage of business you're in, so I'm pretty excited for this one. So I would say today's radio show uh, would be uh, on popular demand of many of our coaching clients mm-hmm. and many of our listeners. Mm-hmm. The topic of today's radio show, Julie, is? topic of today's radio show is uh, how to find inventory where there doesn't seem like there is any. And we're going to talk about it from both the listing standpoint and from the buyer's agent standpoint. So we're going to help you guys deal with low inventory markets. And for some of you, that means your whole market's acting that way. And for others of you, it's certain price ranges in certain neighborhoods. So really, this pretty much applies to everyone. And you know, the amazing thing is, um, this is the second time we've done this exact radio show. And the last time was, guess what? In 2013, you know? So here's a little thought for you. This is a normal problem to have in the spring in most major markets. This is not abnormal. Some of you who have not been in the industry long enough might be thinking, oh my gosh, the sky's falling, there's not enough homes for sale. Well, guess what? It is January, February, and most parts of the country, the peop- uh, sellers, and I'll say wrongfully think, the best time to put their houses for sales in the spring, in another 60 to 90 days. And that creates this, this fear of scarcity, and there's not enough homes for sale, and da 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 Now, mm-hmm. in some markets, the spring's going to roll around, and there's still going to be more buyers than there are sellers. some cases, it's going to be a real lack of inventory. Why is this happening right now? The same reasons it's happened in years past. But those reasons are changing. So in the past, it's been lack of mortgage product. It's been, again, lack of uh, some people have had credit issues that prevented them from uh, getting a new mortgage, how they put their houses for sale. The most prominent case in most parts of the country was, was simply for the fact that most, uh, a vast majority of your traditional move-up buyers couldn't move up because they didn't have the equity in their houses. So what's happened in the past couple of years? You guys already know it. In many major markets, the prices have uh, recovered or are recovering to the point where people can sell their houses. So we expect to see a reversal of the lack of supply problem that a lot of you guys are experiencing and have experienced for the past couple of years. And you're going to start probably, I'm guessing, towards mid to late this year, you're going to start seeing it start, your market's going to shift back towards buyers. Why? Because again, lots of folks who've been sitting on the fence are going to be putting their houses for sale. And mortgage products are easier to come by, but here's the other thing that's happening. And if you pay attention to the news, you'll know this is happening. Foreclosure starts, or rather notice of default, uh, have been increasing. And why? The banks have been sitting on the fence waiting for the markets to start to recover before they actually foreclose on the houses where the people haven't been making their payments. A lot of folks have been still, you know, what, seven, eight years after the crash, been sitting in their houses payment-free. Well, that's coming to an end now. And the other thing that's happening, (laughs) Julie, I had a coaching call, true story, uh, yesterday with a a client, you know, coaching client who said they got a call from a seller who was desperate to sell because his mortgage mortgage was uh, unmodding in essence. 
So it was going from an artificially low rate of an artificially low payment adjusting back to its normal payment, and its monthly payment it was going to go up, wait for it, wait for it, $15,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah so that guy's motivated. Yeah, there's some motivation. <laughs> That'll do. So we're seeing all the loan mods are unmodded, basically, They're and a lot of those folks are – you know, finally going to say, okay, well, guess what? Now I'm ready to sell. I have to sell. So all the things that have been kind of, you know, we, we always, we, Julie and I were calling it during the crash, the whole constipated Python thing. Well, that whole thing is starting to come, not to be crude, but is coming unclogged, and you're going to start seeing that market uh, favor buyers, you know, middle to the end of this year. But for now, certainly going into the spring, and many markets, and many markets you wouldn't expect, there is a lack of inventory. Julie, I'm thinking of your great coaching clients, Lance and Karen Kenmore, who, what did they sell last yeah. year? 200 houses, and you know they were always yeah. dominant listing agents and fantastic mm-hmm. agents. They've been coaching clients of ours for years, and now they're finding themselves in rural Washington State with a lack of inventory, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, had a call with a great coaching client there. He's got some low inventory, parts of Atlanta, low inventory, Edina, Minnesota, of all places, the tundra, okay, some low inventory there. So just because you're not in San Francisco and some of our normal inventory-starved areas like parts of Seattle, you know, doesn't mean that you're not experiencing this, at least at some level, maybe not to the extreme of some markets, like I said, maybe it's certain price ranges in certain neighborhoods. But this is a very common thing that we're hearing from coaching clients. So there's pressure on listing agents to have more listings in their pipeline because as soon as you sell it, it's gone. And there's pressure on buyer's agents to get it together and actually find a home for their buyer because just using the MLS, you guys are ending up having to compete and you can only sell a house once. So this affects both sides, whether you're primarily buyer's agent or seller's agent or you have a balanced business with 50-50. It doesn't matter. You're affected across the board, and that's why it's such an important topic, Tim. So we wrote down 16 practical points that you guys can find, you know, the hidden inventory, homes that are going to be sold where the sellers are, you know, maybe some of them aren't actively looking for an agent, but if they knew that they could sell because the property had reappreciated that they would. So we wrote down 16 points of where you can find the hidden inventory in your market. And so, Julie, what's point number one? Okay, so before we get to point number one, I just want to make some little mini ramp-up points to kind of smack people into really paying attention here. The first thing, buyer mistakes, and I'll do these quickly. Number one, it is not the buyer's job to find their own property. It's your job. Don't wait for them to, the buyer to email you what they want to see. That's okay when there's tons of inventory, but not now. Are you looking daily for them, or are you leaving it up to them to email you when they feel like it? Because if you are you're going to get fired because they're going to lose confidence in your ability to find them something. Secondly, be the first one to see new inventory. Monitor your hot sheet and be ready to pounce. And number three, again, these are quick prequel points. Recognize that not all homes that are sold are sold through the MLS. If that's all you're doing, to me, it's kind of like malpractice. You're only doing a little tiny bit of what you should be doing. So we're going to talk about all that, and we're going to get to how to create inventory, how to find inventory where it looks like there's nothing to sell. So Let's just jump point in. number one, yeah, point number one is new construction. This is one of the uh, kind of hidden inventories that are out there. New construction. It's almost never listed in the MLS. Find what's being built by looking into your local weekend newspaper and actually go there and visit the models. 
you're going to have to get a really good working knowledge of not just what's being built, but what price ranges in which parts of town and which school districts. So start a file called New Construction and know the inventory. This is a tremendous advantage you can have over other agents who are wandering around saying, well, I don't think we have any new construction just because they haven't seen it in the MLS and just because it's not on their normal route between their house and the grocery store. So know the price range, the area, the spec homes, the builder perks, the special financing, and become friends with the new build reps because they can also be a great source of resale referrals. So Tim, that brings up an interesting point because everything we're talking about today will, will serve you in both ways. Help find listings for your buyers, but also shake loose listing leads for your listing agents. Does that make sense? It does. If, if you're in a really um, inventory-confined area, um, some places in California, Manhattan, you're going to have to be more creative in finding new construction. You're going to have to maybe go in, in small towns or, I mean, even in Manhattan, I'll tell you what our best coaching students do. They'll, when they suspect a building's going to be condoized or they suspect new inventory is going to be coming for sale and no one really knows about it, they'll go down to like the zoning enforcement division and they'll ask about what the heck's going on, who's building what. It's public information as soon as basically the house, the, any construction starts. When the, and when the city starts issuing permits, you can actually find who the permits have been issued to and do a little bit of homework. Use Google right on your phone while you're standing there in the, in the zoning office and find out who owns the corporation. Typically, you can find the, uh, on the, you know, they'll find a corporate contact. If it's a small builder who owns the corporation, you'll call him directly. Other times you want to call the attorney that's on, that formed the LLC, whatever, but get the ball rolling. Front end, uh, you know, front run rather, new inventory that's coming for sale from new construction. So, point number two, Jules. Point number two, your own center of influence and past clients. Communicate regularly with your own past clients' center of influence so that you have your own pocket listings. This is like having your own shadow inventory. Those are your personal contacts. Offer free CMAs for the purpose of property tax assessments and so that your past clients always know what their homes are worth. That way, when you've got buyers where there's nothing in the MLS for them, you should always be going to this almost first and saying, okay, I got somebody who wants a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage in this neighborhood where there's nothing for sale or they don't like what they've already seen for sale. Who do I know in my past client or center of influence list who lives in that neighborhood and might be interested in moving up or down? Maybe they're getting relocated and I don't even know it. Maybe something's happened with them. So reach out to your past clients and see if you've got a match there. One of the advantages to everything that we're talking about today is it also, for the most part, keeps you from having to compete. If you're the only one who knows about your past client wanting to move, even if they're moving 60 days from now, you're probably not going to have to compete. So that makes your whole negotiation process that much easier. So well, I'll, suggest, remember, I'll, yeah. suggest also, I'll suggest also, if you have centers of influence and past clients that said they're thinking about selling a year from now or six months from mm -hmm. now, you might want to suggest them, uh, suggest to them they put the house for sale now and rent because of the fact that it is going to be such a great seller's market for probably the next quarter or two. In other words, Mr. Seller, if you had a stock, a share of a company that you knew for sure six months from now uh, was going to be worth 20%, 30%, maybe only 10% less than it was worth today, wouldn't you sell it? And of course the answer is yes. And so then the next uh, conversations, where are they going to go? Well, obviously they can go in temporary housing or rent something. Now, I know that not very many people are going to be that motivated to make money and to time, their sell, time the sale of their property to maximize you know, returns. Only investors really think like that. 
but you could at least introduce the thought to your past clients and centers of influence that have shown interest in selling sometime in their foreseeable future and suggest that they move their plans up. Now, the next idea is very creative. We used to do this all the time when we sold real estate. And you know the fun thing about this idea, Julie, point number three, is we shared this. I mean, we've been talking about this, obviously, for 10 years. You and I started doing this like 20 years ago when we sold real estate. Um, But so many uh, of our clients have gotten really creative with this idea. So point number three is? Point number three is known as wanted ads, wanted letters, postcards, etc. For your well-qualified, highly motivated buyers, run specific ads which describe their needs and target the exact neighborhoods they're looking for. Now, our coaching clients, we've been working with you guys on this a lot. You have sample ads and postcards and different things that we've done here. But essentially, the concept is this. You know, normally, we're used to advertising our listings. You show a picture of the house, description, your phone number, etc. Well, instead of doing that, now we're advertising your buyers. Now, you're not going to use their well, names. You're going to keep it, you know, anonymous. But you're going to make them real. Go ahead, Tim. And you're going to do it through a, you're going to do it through a seller's wanted ad. So what you're in essence doing, don't be confused. The goal here is to take a listing, right? So you're going to run a seller's wanted ad. So the ad actually says seller's wanted. And then you're going to say, uh, I have immediate need for uh, my buyers and, and that, you know, who are looking for, to, for a home, flexible on closing. Some of them are looking to move in within 30 to 60 days. Others would be more than happy to lease back to the present owner after closing. And then what you want to do is you want to run a brief description of each of your buyers. So buyer number one, relocating from Atlanta, family of four, looking up to 450000 House must be in ABC or near, you know, let's say Cherryville subdivision within 10 minutes of, uh, you know, Highway 101, whatever, whatever, right? Not too much information, but enough. Buyer number two, same description. Downsizing couple, looking for a condo near downtown, um, looking up to a million dollars, uh, must have a one-car garage, and have the master bedroom. You guys get the idea? So write a brief description of, of every one of the buyers that either you're working with or buyers that your fellow realtors are working with. Don't lie about buyers. It's, there's, you know, don't even go down that road. You go to your near, you, you know, next to the, the cubicle or the office next to you or send an email out and ask uh, fellow agents uh, about their buyers and what they're looking for. Run a wanted ad, seller's wanted ad, and then what happens is, is you can start out by having a flyer uh, made, and it literally said sellers wanted it. And the way we used to do it is we'd use it an old timey, like Western wanted dead, wanted or, dead alive or alive type uh, yeah. font. Yeah, and it looked funny. People would laugh. I mean, when they see the flyer, you know, it looked again. It looked like an old time wanted dead or alive type poster that you'd see in you know old movies, the spaghetti westerns. You guys can visualize mm-hmm. them, I'm sure. So it got the conversation started. Now, if you're in Manhattan, you probably don't want to do that, though it would be kind of funny to do that in a really ritzy part of Manhattan, you know, to have an approach like that. But you could do this with postcards. You could do this, obviously, going door to door. You could do this as an ad in the paper. And what we did is we did a flyer that we had inserted into the local uh, newspaper, and we put in, like I said, four to six of our buyers that were looking for inventory if there wasn't something for sale that was a match for them. And we always took listings from that. Now, who were the sellers that we would list? The sellers that were planning on putting their houses for sale in the spring. Or the sellers who were planning on putting their houses for sale two or three months in advance. They'd say, well, heck, this buyer sounds like a perfect match for my house. Let's see if they're, you know, and then the conversation would get started. And then obviously we'd have an opportunity to take the listing. 
You can then scale this idea in many, many different ways. You could do a direct mail postcard. You could do an online ad if you wanted to. You could obviously hit up your social networks um, with this concept. So many different ways you can take this idea and make money from it. Um, just depends on your market. Next point. Uh, now, this one's a little bit more complicated, but it's very clever. Depending on your market, this is a killer idea. It's called Zillow Make Me Move. So what Zillow has done is on their website, and I'm going to walk you guys through how to do it. So go to Zillow, and then you're going to have um, the, the, you know, the main screen where you put in this, the uh, area of the city or just put in the zip codes in which you work. Don't just put in one zip code, put in multiple zip codes. And then you hit enter, and then the next screen that pops up is going to be a map with all their little house icons, different colors denoting the nature of what type of sale it is. Uh, you know, listed by agent, for sale by owner, um, you know, for rent by owner, pre-foreclosure, foreclosure. So go through this. You'll see what I'm talking about. And then there's this other little category that a lot of agents don't know about called Make Me Move. So I would suggest that you, you know, there'll be new construction as well. Then what you do is the results will also be posted on the right side of the screen with pictures of all the houses. Uh, scan through the listed properties. Those are already obviously listed. You then can see the pre-foreclosures. We're going to talk about that in a second anyway. But then it's usually the last of the list, you know, depending on how many houses are also for, you know, are for sale or for rent, whatever, in your marketplace. You could have to go back five or six screens. And then you're going to see the Make Me Moves. Now, this is the brilliance of the Make Me Moves. These are sellers that wanted to, that are basically saying, if you bring a buyer for my house or a buyer, if you're interested in buying my house for this particular price, I will, I'll consider selling it to you. Those are what I would call hypothetically motivated sellers or sellers that will be motivated that know that they're going to be moving sometime in the future that are just dangling a worm in the water to see if they might be able to get a bite. That, again, is another conversation starter for you. Probably 80% of the time, their phone numbers are right there by the make me move by, by their make me move ad, um, and if not, there's a way for you to email them directly. I have clients, and now Julie, the weird thing about this is, for mm -hmm. some reason, this works better in the upper end price ranges than it seems to do in the mm -hmm. lower end price ranges. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And by the way, none of what we've talked about so far is typically found in your MLS. So yep. if you are guilty of only using your MLS, and one of your buyers is perhaps listening to this show? Hmm, <laughs> interesting. I wonder whether they think you're working as hard for them as you'd like them thinking that you're working for them. So only using the MLS, you're really only touching maybe 10% of what you should be doing. And this is why some of you guys call those buyers and they're saying, you know, you, you, know, you just weren't showing me what I was looking for. I've made a change. Or worse yet, you never hear from them again. And then you tell yourself that buyers are flaky when, in fact, they bailed on you because you weren't doing your job. So just a little be honest there, Tim. I have to point out that so far, none of this is in the MLS, which is all good because, as I said before, you come across somebody who maybe it's a Zillow Make Me Move lead, and you're the only one who knows about it or you're the only one who's working it. Well, you're not in a multiple bid situation there. You can control the whole transaction, which generally will make you a lot happier than being the one who misses out along with the other eight contracts that didn't get accepted. So I like Zillow Make Me Move. Now, here's the thing. Agents will say, well, I looked at their Make Me Move price, and that's a crazy price. I don't really care so much about that because we don't know what they're basing it on. I care that they had the time to go to Zillow and update their profile and say, I'll move possibly. That makes them a possible lead. You can get into pricing later 
once you find out what their story is. So don't discount yep. it just because you know their price is a little bit off. You don't know you know where they're coming from on that. And it might be a short sell lead. Maybe that's what they owe. It could be anything. So next point is the Zillow pre-foreclosure. This is a similar process. You're just using their filter and checking pre-foreclosure instead of checking off make me move. And the, the Zillow stuff we're talking about right now, by the way, is free. You do not have to have – it'll say for the exact address, set up an account. All they mean is a username and passcode. This is not a paid thing that we're talking about. So uh, let's see. Again, hint for you when that pops up. Just do username and passcode, and you'll get the information. So well, pre-foreclosure, it's on the way. There, mm -hmm. There's a lot of other sources for pre-foreclosure information out there. The yeah. bottom line is, is, as I told you at the top of the show, a lot of folks are getting notice of defaults. Um, and these are sort of you know foreclosures that should have happened years ago, but they just didn't because the banks didn't want to deal with so many foreclosures, and now they're sort of stealthily uh, foreclosing, and no one's talking about it anymore because no one's really worried about the housing crisis anymore, but it is happening. So pre-foreclosures can be had in numer numerous places. Uh, you'll often come across folks that received a foreclosure notice, and those are going to be fantastically motivated, but I'll give you a little secret. What's happening are the banks are foreclosing, on the folks that are near equity or have some equity but haven't made payments. So you will literally be able to sometimes save somebody a foreclosure, matter of fact, not even have to do a short sale because they have enough equity in the house now, but they haven't made payments in a long time. I'm going to say that again, and this is especially true in California. You're going to literally run across folks that have received a notice of default that are essentially in foreclosure that now have equity in their properties and don't know it. The reason that the banks are foreclosing on them is because the banks do know it, and they want to foreclose on the houses and get that equity. That's what's happening. So there's a little heads up for all of you. Next point, Julie, our, one of our favorite Perfect. points, by the way. Yep, one of my favorite points, expired listings. This is, again, kind of like shadow inventory. New expireds, old expireds, really old expireds. Call them all. You know they wanted to sell their home at one point. Check the withdrawals temporarily off the markets. Some of our agents are going back as much as two or three years because the pricing has recovered since that expired expired at their probably overpriced price back then. Maybe they can actually get what they wanted now. So expired, you know, this is a great excuse for those of you who have been a little bit shy about prospecting expireds. If you've got a buyer looking in a specific neighborhood and you can find expireds withdrawals temporarily off the market, even searching back two, three years back in your MLS, this might be the catalyst that gets you to finally start calling expireds because you've got a real buyer you can talk about. It's more compelling for you. You might be more comfortable on the phone. It's going to be a match for your buyer or it's not. Either way, you're going to get a nice listing lead out of that, and maybe you can get them the price that they wanted two, three, four years ago. So I like well, this point especially because it kind of marries the two together, and it, it's almost like forced prospecting in a way. Well, and, and the nice thing about expireds this time of year, here we are basically in the late winter, it's not nice to say, of 2015, and uh, how many folks had their houses expire late last year who said, I'll relist my house in the spring. So we're coming up on the spring, and all those sellers are going to be relisting. So Guys, golden opportunity, huge opportunity right now to call, call expires. Um, fun coaching calls. I've had these numerous times in the past week or so. Agents swearing up and down there weren't a lot of expires, and then I, I went. Glad you said that. That's so true. I hear that all the time. But my market's so hot, there aren't any expires, Tim. 
I know, but isn't that crazy? I, Julie, true story. I had a coaching client, and I already knew, uh, having had other coaching clients in their same market, how many expires they had. So I had them then get into the MLS, and I have them, you know, typically what agents will do sometimes to try to rationalize that there's no expires is they'll just put in this tiny little slice of a zip code that doesn't really have hardly any houses, you know, it's out in the country or somewhere. So if you guys are kind of like hiding your heads in the sand about how many expireds there are, it's time for you to just to have this little experience. Go to your MLS, put in all the zip codes in your area, like 10, okay? And then do expireds, withdrawals, and cancels and go back six months. In virtually every example, there's not going to be dozens, there's not going to be hundreds, there's going to be thousands. I did that exact exercise with a coaching client. The number they told me, are you, and this was in Michigan, so you know that's going to be a big number anyway, was close to 30,000 in the last six months. 30,000 expires. Well, I had another coaching client in one of these super hot areas up near New York, and you know, oh, there's no, and this is the average sale price is close to four million. Oh, there's no expires in my marketplace. No, da 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 da. Everything sells, and it's you know everyone's you know, all these excuses. Did the same exercise, put in all the area zip codes, and we found that there were over a thousand in like the last four months, and there are all these really fantastic price ranges. And you know, it's it's interesting that we believe we base our version of reality not on reality, not on actually doing our own homework, but on listening to other realtors by going to the office and listening to the belly aching. Go to the MLS, look at the numbers, and you will be stunned and amazed. Point number seven, Julie. Yeah, and point number seven I also really like because one of the other common complaints you guys like to whine about is, oh, I can't get any good phone numbers. Well, guess who has great phone numbers for sale by owners? It's right there on their sign. It's on their Craigslist ad. They're easy to find. For sale by owners or unrepresented sellers, as we lovingly like to call them, are crying for help with a help-wanted sign known as their for sale by owner yard sign with their phone number. And I always tease my agents and say, remind me what it is you do for a living. Oh, you sell real estate. You're a real estate professional. And what is it that a for sale by owner is trying to do? Oh, they're trying to sell their house, and there's a phone number on their sign. Wouldn't it kind of make sense that you'd be talking to each other? I'm just saying. Crazy, right? Well, right. and you know, the whole Fis- the whole FISBO thing is a call in itself. Now, again, we call it, uh, when you're talking to a for sale by owner, call them unrepresented sellers. That in itself creates an interesting sort of mindset shift for a lot of them that they start to actually think. But the for sale by owner uh, uh, call we've done before, the radio show we've done before, you guys can go back and listen to that. But the bottom line is, most for sale by owners, probably 80 to 90% of for sale by owners, are only trying to sell it themselves because they didn't know another realtor. In other words, they don't know somebody, so they're just throwing a dart at the board and hoping that maybe they get lucky. That's it. That's their whole dedication and their whole commitment to trying to sell their own home. In other words, they don't have any. In other words, if you were to call them using our scripts, chances are you could take the listing. Um, So listen, we have to finish our other points tomorrow, but here's what I want all of you to do. I know a lot of you guys are asking for free coaching calls, and you're saying, okay, Tim, I get it. I want to learn how to become a listing agent. One of the greatest tools you can use is definitely MojoSales.com. MojoSales is an auto dialer. We'll also provide for you expired phone numbers. Works in most major markets. A great product. Go to MojoSales. And again, a lot of you are wanting to take massive action. Some of you have just discovered our radio show in the last 30 to 60 days. And thanks to all of you, by the way, for helping us to get our regular listenership over now well over 100,000. We're 103,000 now, which is pretty cool. 
So what I want all of you to do who have not yet embraced the fact that this is a true real estate recovery and that this is your real estate market, in other words, you're in the right place at the right time, do yourself a favor and request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. You will literally speak to one of our coaches. We will help you create a plan on your free coaching call, exactly what you need to be doing step-by-step to take advantage of this fantastic and ever-improving real estate market. So, Julian, anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Hey, take action, and don't just choose one of the things that we talked about. We gave you eight very specific points on how to cure this low inventory issue you guys are dealing with. Don't ignore it. Just take action. And don't just choose, well, maybe I'll dabble with this one. Do all eight. And furthermore, if you're dealing with your buyers, and that's why you're doing this, make sure you tell your buyers what you're doing, especially the ones that might be on the fence not returning your call right now. So let them know you're hard at work for them. And when you do these things, the nice byproduct is more listing leads for you. So it's all good, Ah. but only when you get to work. Fantastic. We'll talk with you, all of you, on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.